0: Good afternoon. I'd like to welcome you back to our podcast series, Living with Reptiles, by reptile keepers for reptile keepers, with your host, Brian Parkhurst. It is my esteemed pleasure to introduce the co-owner of Hudson Valley Reptile and Rescue, Severo Cancian, With extensive knowledge about plants as well as reptiles, combined with terrarium construction, he is definitely one heck of a great source of information. Severo, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, my name's Severo. I'm 35 years old. I've be- been keeping reptiles now for probably 28 years. That's definitely a long period of time. Yeah, in most of my life. Um, even before I was keeping them, I was catching them in my local neighborhoods and removing them from wood piles when neighbors would scream. <laughs> yeah, that we've all been there. We've definitely heard that scream. <laughs> Yep, all too often, <laughs> they would call me literally to come down and uh, remove the snake from their porches.
0: That's a very vital thing, um, especially as young as you were, a, a very vital thing for somebody to even understand now in the world that we have.
1: Yeah, snakes play a very vital role in our environment, um, you know, they're pest, con- rodent control and pest control, um, a lot of people like to kill them on site, which is, you know, affecting Every ecosystem. um,
0: In some ecosystems, I'd venture to guess they're probably a top predator.
1: Yes, they are an apex predator in most ecosystems, Um, which, once removed, allows the lower creatures, rodents, pests, to uh, overtake and unbalance...
0: The environments, right? Correct, Unbalance the environments that they're in? Yep, absolutely, 100%.
1: And everyone knows that rodents spread... A variety of diseases. They're responsible for things in history like the plague. Um, they're uh, one of the biggest contributors to the spread of Lyme disease. Um, so it's it's very important to you know keep these critters in check. So
0: that's why nature put top predators in play to begin with, right?
1: Pretty much. You know, uh, there's a I, reason
0: I, rats have 20 babies. There's there's a reason rabbits have 12, 12 young. You know, yeah. it is to feed higher animals
1: on that food chain. Yeah. It was made that way for a reason. Yep, System absolutely. of checks and balances.
0: All of nature. Yep. So in, in your rescue endeavors, um, what species do you see the most of?
1: Unfortunately, we see a lot of the species that are very accessible to buy and are very cheap, like your iguanas and your red-eared sliders, sliders. Um, they're do do very, those two make good pets? Or? They, they don't. They're very cheap for the industry to get imported and to um, you know breed, as well as ball pythons you know, being the new fad, and people get them like they would get a handbag or a new pair of shoes, not realizing the care and the more, I would say, of the specialized care that these animals require. As, like, dogs and cats need attention and love, you know, these animals need more to grow, such as, you know, humidity and heat. Uh, the requirements are a lot different than your normal mammals, uh, and a lot of people overlook this, and they don't do the proper research, and that is another big reason for why we started this rescue, um, too many pe- animals were getting displaced because people would allow their children or themselves to get swayed by these reptile shows um, and these reptile expos, and everybody just wants to sell, and oh, it's easy to care for, but they don't ever do the proper research Before getting these animals, and we see it all too often, especially at the expos, people are purchasing any animals and then asking the breeders or the vendor what they need to care for this animal. Um, When I got my first reptile when I was eight years old, or when I should say, let me start off, when I wanted to get my first reptile when I was eight years old, i.e., Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I had to have turtles. So my mother said to me, not only did I have to do my research, but I had to come up with a plan. I had to build my own tank. I had to come up with the money to purchase these animals, and I had to put on a, a presentation for my family of how I was going to accomplish this, how I was going to care for them, You know what their daily requirements were, um, and, you know, that's what my mother did to teach me the responsibilities of pet ownership. However, it is lost in today's reptile world.
0: I'm sure there's still families out there that do that. Don't get me wrong. Yes, there are. But in the majority of of society, I'm sure that this this fact, this
1: understanding of researching an animal is completely lost. Yes. um, All too often, I have conversations with people with 5- and 10-year-old children that they bought the iguanas for their birthday, um, which we're talking about an animal that has the potential to get to 4 feet, 4 to 5 feet, and, you know, become, males become very territorial uh, and aggressive, especially during mating season. So, you know, these are all things, um, you know, with good intentions that are, are, happen in the reptile industry today.
0: So what was your spark moment? What made you think about reptiles? I mean you said this teenage mutant ninja turtles about your first group of turtles, but after that, I mean keeping turtles is much, much different than keeping a lot of other species. What uh what took over for you? Why why was it such a a want to be able to house these animals or or, or contain them or enclose them or have them
1: as your displays or personal animals? That's a good question. My father taught me from a young age to respect and to be in awe of all animals, but I got to say, after seeing my first couple of snakes in wood piles, and then when I was five, my first school show where, and I wish I remembered who it was, but he came to our school at Robert Graves and brought, I think it was like a 16-foot Burmese and I was one of the guys that got to go up on stage and hold it. And uh, you know, I always thought, you know, how cool it would be to to own these animals and participate and and watch them grow and be able to educate other children. Um, I don't know. I that's one of the things that really I would say started was, you off. Well, well, started you on. Well, the path. no, I I would say it's one of the most rewarding things. Of creating the rescues, not only do we get to help animals in need um, and educate the public, but that look on those kids' faces, you know, just just melts my heart. You know, I know where they where they're coming from. I had that look in my that you were that kid. I was that kid, and and to start them off and to help to start them off in the right way, um, as opposed to their first instance being at an expo. Or. Yes, yes, yes. You know, the, the education side as opposed to the retail side. Um, right, right. You know, Excellent. Which, which is, is definitely uh, represented way differently. Right,
0: completely. What, Um. I, I assume you're working with a, a larger group of species currently. What's your favorite? What's your favorite species currently?
1: Jeez,
0: oh. I know that's got to be the hardest question anybody I've, has I've, to answer.
1: I've had so many species over the years. Um I would say my favorite has been Alfie Alf salata, uh the the
0: black oh, rat, black rat snake. snake. Yep.
1: Yep. Um they are amazing snakes. I would say that that would have to be one of my favorites. Um working with the caiman, uh dwarf caiman. Um, in particular has been very educational to actually bond with an alligatorid. And when I say bond, people think, oh, can you really bond with with an alligator or a caiman? And, uh, you know, yes, the answer is, is yes. They know my voice, they know... They know a lot about me. Um, Do
0: they treat you differently when someone else walks in the room as opposed to yourself? Do they act completely differently?
1: Oh, yes. Very differently. Their whole disposition and and demeanor changes when I bring other people into the reptile room Uh, based upon their vocal structure, I've noticed a lot. Um, Certain voices will actually cause them to hiss, Um, whereas... Calmer, meeker people coming into the room that they don't cause as much commotion. They'll be calmer with, um, whereas the boisterous, louder friends of mine, uh, when they come into the room, um, you know they feel threatened, and uh, you know that's their territory. They, they want to defend their territory yeah, from that threat. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So it's 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 very uh, it's very cool to be able to observe this in you know uh, an everyday environment. Um, and to be able to study species it sounds, this caliber it
0: sounds pretty rewarding
1: it is all around um,
0: what's uh speaking of rewarding what's your most rewarding situation or or circumstance in your animal professional career
1: oh, you know I I can't draw to a specific point you know it's it's all the faces it's all the animals um You know, two situations I can recall in particular. One, uh, a snake was thrown in a dumpster, um, cage and all, in the middle of winter, um, which we brought in. And uh, the other one was a giant boa that had basically rot all over his face um, from bad husbandry conditions. Um, and over the course of, I would say, nine months to a year, um, maybe it was a little bit longer, uh, with the shed cycles, um, but, you know, healed him up perfectly, um, or I should say she... She's one of the largest boas I've ever worked with in my life. Um, probably close to ten feet. Um, Currently, we, still have. Yes. Said yep, boa. Yep. Yeah. You know, we're talking six inches in diameter. Um, she's just a monster of all boas, but um, she's absolutely gorgeous now. The rot's all gone. Um, you know, it's a slow recovery, but you know, being able to help an animal. Um, when it needs it the most and they can't take care of themselves, uh, you know, because of being in captivity, um, and they don't have a voice or, you know, it's, uh, it's sad, um, where all this could be avoided before right. the animal was even got, you know, purchased or, you know, as long as if, if people just did a little bit of research.
0: Right. Um, Absolutely. I understand. So that being said with the ability to do research and and look it up a little bit before you purchase the animal. Um, Is there anything that you'd want to impart to future reptile keepers?
1: I mean, research being the most important, we need to stop viewing reptiles as collectible figurines or pairs of shoes. This is not to pick on anyone in particular, but the world doesn't need another ball python breeder or morph we need to come together as a community to better our hobby through education and the development and passing of knowledge and passion for of keeping reptiles we need to stop the mass farming and import of several species that are neglected and undercared for that are bred to be disposable to the american consumer most being sold sick or starving and it makes me sick it is fastly becoming Like dogs and cats, the huge epidemic that we see in America today. Everyone knows how many are abused and neglected. The shelters are full. We need to come together as keepers to stop this from happening in our trade, which, as a rescue, I see daily.
0: I'd venture to guess that's a very upsetting moment
1: in time, too. It is, especially for every good story. There are stories where... It's already too late, and we can't help these animals. We do everything we can, but had proper care or research been done or, you know, knowledge passed from another keeper, these situations couldn't be avoided.
0: Yeah, I remember when I was young, there was a herpetological society that you could join and you could talk to people who had been keeping these species for years. And their knowledge was imparted upon you through conversation or uh, working alongside them, helping them clean or feed, whatever the case may be. And these people in those herpetological societies would give you immense, immense amounts of information that only somebody who has had the day-to-day experience with some of those species could possibly give you. And even now, in my adult life, after keeping for almost 25 years, I still use a lot of that knowledge that I was given 15 years ago, 17 years ago. And even when I get new knowledge, I completely go back and think, okay, compared to what I was taught before, what does this knowledge do? Does it make sense? Does it not make sense? Does it sound like something that would happen in the Brazilian rainforest? Or is that completely not possible in the Brazilian rainforest? Does this species live in water? Does it live in on land? Does it Uh, and does it have a temperature fluctuation? Does the temperature change at night versus during the day? How many hours of light are there in that particular part of the world? And I think you are 100% correct. And a lot of that knowledge that was gained by the forefront runners of our hobby has completely turned into, Hey, what color is your ball python?
1: Yeah, I see it all too often. And unfortunately, you know, the animals are the ones that pay the price and And that's obvious. and our hobby, yes, yeah, you know that's that's yeah. I
0: think that's what you're trying to the biggest part of what you're trying to say is the animals lose focus, and the hobby becomes less of a naturalistic movement and more of a commodity based trading company,
1: yeah, like a fad Ooh, right, look what I got, I got right. the newest ball python, I got the newest leopard gecko, I'm gonna breed this, I'm gonna breed that. <clears throat> And, uh, you know, it's, it's, out, it's out of control. Right. I agree as well, completely. As well as the misinformation. You know, I was just down at a reptile show a week ago. And, you know, for the most part, just kind of walked around listening and observing because that's what I enjoy doing. Um, and I couldn't believe how many people were asking the people that they were buying the reptile the day of what they needed. And the people that were selling the equipment barely had the information that they needed to give, which is sad in its own point because we can see that retail is just taking over vastly. And a lot of the information that was being given was being given to sell more product. And that's, that's my concern. for the industry as a whole is, is, you know, turning living things into product.
0: As a keeper of reptiles for many, many years, and as a professional rescue with the ability to work with countless species, I'm sure, including spiders and scorpions, what species in the world would you most want to work with?
1: Hands down, by far, without a question, the Komodo dragon. Ah, I mean, who wouldn't want to work with a real-life dragon?
0: That is the most ominous lizard on the planet. Yes. Um, would you like to say a little bit about them, if our uh, listeners don't I, I, know? Uh, Which I'm sure they do at this point, I, I mean, hope.
1: Growing to six foot, being able to run, I think it's like 30, 35 miles an hour on land. Um, you know, talk about apex predator um, I think they just recently found venomoid or venom glands in, inside.
0: Oh uh, yeah, I do believe their lower jaw. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, it's a secreted uh, venom. It's a twelve foot lizard that's venomous. I totally get it. I definitely think that's a a very viable candidate for top animal I'd want to work with myself. Um, spectacular species.
1: Yes, closely related to dinosaurs. Yep. You know, I've got to work with caiman and alligators. So.
0: I mean That's probably the only thing on the list that you haven't been able to work with, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that being said, thank you again, Severo, for being part of Living with Reptiles. You, sir, are a wealth of knowledge. I hope you will continue your work with reptiles because your efforts go a long way. On behalf of my guest, Severo, myself, and all of the staff here at Hudson Valley Reptile and Rescue, we'd like to thank you yet again for tuning in and giving us the opportunity to entertain you. And, as always, enjoy the reptile hobby and be safe in your reptile adventures.
1: Thanks for listening, guys. And if you ever need any advice or questions, please feel free to reach out to us at any time. We're more than happy to extend a helping hand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And
0: if you'd like to be a guest on this podcast series, please email us at Hudson Valley Reptile at gmail.com please put podcast as the subject line. Thank you.